Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Valley Point Church is a faith community located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. Our mission is pointing people to real relationships and real significance. This week continues our series, The Story. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Well, if you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Luke chapter 9. This is what was read for us and what was just sung for us. And we're going to continue thinking about how Jesus is the Messiah, which is a fascinating thought. Jesus, Messiah. This word Messiah is a fascinating word, and I'm excited today because I have the privilege of kind of unpacking this word. It's a rich word that has a lot of meaning to it, and so we're going to get into that in just a bit as we continue to walk through our series called The Story, and right now we're thinking about the life and the person of Jesus. So last week, Tanya and Sherry joined me, and we asked the question, who is Jesus? Hey, who is this guy? Who is this man? And by the way, I would encourage each and every one of you to be thinking about that question. It's a good question to ask, and it's something we need to answer as well. Who is this Jesus? Well, as we discussed last week, we rolled out three different statements, and certainly there are more statements we could add to this as we describe who Jesus is. But we said this, Jesus is a friend of sinners. Jesus is someone who chooses to use me to introduce others to him. And Jesus is someone who knows me. He sees me. Now, what's unique about those statements is when you walk through Scripture and you begin to read and research and study the person of Jesus and what he said and then what he did, which, by the way, when you're looking at the life of an individual and trying to discover who they are, you got to do both. What did they say and then what did they do? you got to look at both of these things. And so when you walk through the grid of Scripture... And you investigate what Jesus said and then what he did. These statements are very true. Jesus is a friend of sinners. He is someone who chooses to use me to introduce others to him. And Jesus is someone who knows me. He sees me. And yet in spite of what he sees, in spite of what he knows about me, God still uses me and loves me, and you got to go back to statement number one. Jesus is a friend of sinners. So this is really good news for all of us. Now, here's what I want to do today. I want to take this a bit deeper. And the reason I want to take our investigation of Jesus a bit deeper is because I believe he is the central figure in history. Nobody did what he did. Nobody said what he said and then backed it up with his actions, proving that he was truth and that he was real. He is the central figure in history. The Old Testament points to him. All of the events and all of the stories that are there and the authors that wrote about Jesus, they pointed to him like a rescuer is coming, a Messiah is coming. 
This divine person who will save us all, he is coming at some point. And so the Old Testament writers pointed to him. The New Testament writers announced him and then shared more about his life. And the church, that's us, that's what we're doing right now. We are the gathered church. The church proclaims him and declares him. So think about that. It's quite interesting. The Old Testament points to this Redeemer who is coming, and he will arrive at some point. The New Testament then announces him and gives us more detail about his life. And here we are as the church. We are proclaiming and continuing to announce him and his goodness and his reality. So let's keep thinking about Jesus. Here's our upper story statement for today. This is the big idea of what God is doing and what he is up to. And that is Jesus is the Messiah. And there's that word again. And in just a bit, I'm going to talk about that word and what it means and how it impacts us. But for now, this is our upper story statement. Jesus is the Messiah. By the way, I would encourage you to take out that note section in your program, that sheet of paper. Take out a device. Scan that QR code. Bring this up. I really want you to take some good notes today because I believe you'll be able to take a lot of this content and use it lovingly in the conversations that you have with other people about who this Jesus person is. And so please... At least fool me a little bit like you're really paying attention and write down some of these things. So your first blank is that Jesus is the Messiah. What we find in Luke chapter 9 is that Jesus looks at his followers. He makes eye contact with them. And he asks them, who do people say that I am? Which is an interesting question because it's not like Jesus didn't know what other people were saying about him and what other people thought because, after all, he's God. But he still asked the question. And they responded to that. And then Jesus looked at them and asked another question. What about you? You're my followers. You have been with me for a few years now. You have observed what I have done and what I have said. Who do you say that I am? You describe me. I want to hear it. Have you ever asked someone to describe you? My guess is you probably haven't done that. You've never been with someone and said, all right, have a seat right here. I want to just listen to you talk about me. Describe me. My guess is we don't do that because that's a frightening thing to consider, isn't it? Like, do we really want to know what they have to say? I have six children, and my children love to imitate me. They do. They imitate my hand motions and how I talk and how I sing and how I walk. And as I watch them imitate me, I have come to the conclusion that I should probably never step out in public. (laughs) I'm just an embarrassment to the human race based on what they do in their imitations of me. you got to have really thick skin to be a parent, don't you? Well, here's Jesus, and he's really opening it up now. And he looks at these followers, and he says, look, let's just sit down and have a great conversation. What are people saying about me? I need to know this. And a step further, you've had a lot of time with me. 
We've been traveling together and living together and eating together. You have watched me teach. You have listened to all of this. You have watched me interact with people and heal them. Who do you say that I am? These are really bold questions that Jesus is asking. He was not afraid to ask because he honestly wanted to know. So that brings us to Luke chapter 9. What's the context of all of this? I think it's valuable for us to know what the context is. So this account that we're discussing and we're considering this morning is taken from Luke's gospel. Luke is written by a man named Luke. No surprise there. Well, let's think about this person named Luke, and here are some fun facts about the author of our book. And again, this really helps us to know what we're trying to think through this morning. The first thing we know about Luke is that he was a physician. He was a doctor. He was an educated man. He's an intelligent guy. And so for all of you in the medical field, this is your guy, right? You can connect with him. You understand kind of what he thinks about Well, Luke brings a very unique perspective to the person of Jesus because he writes with the compassion and warmth of a family doctor. Have you ever had a really good family doctor? Man, they just, they help you. They explain things in a great way. And even when you have issues and when you're not feeling well, you just like being around them because they are warm. They're good to you. Well, that's Luke. He writes, and his whole gospel is very warm, coming from the perspective of a family doctor. Because he is a physician, he emphasizes Jesus' ancestry, birth, early life, and ministry. And here's what's fascinating. The purpose of Luke's gospel is to present Jesus as the perfect son of man. Remember, he's a doctor, so he's really looking into the life of Jesus. And so Luke's purpose here is to present Jesus as the perfect son of man whose mission was to seek and save the lost, which is exactly what Luke records a few chapters after chapter 9. It is vital that we understand what the writer is trying to communicate when we approach Scripture. This is an amazing piece of literature. And so whenever we look at any book, we have to know what is the author trying to say. If we don't understand that, if we don't wrestle with that a little bit, we will superimpose what we want the author to say. And that's not fair to any piece of literature, let alone the Word of God. We really have to understand, what was Luke trying to communicate? What was he trying to say to the readers? And so, what we know about the purpose is he's presenting Jesus to those who would read this And listen to it, which includes us, as the perfect son of man whose mission was to seek and save the lost. Every event and every story in the book of Luke is going to point to that purpose in some way. So Luke chapter 9. We have Jesus having a conversation with his followers where he's asking, Who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? How does this fit into Luke's purpose? Well, I believe it fits perfectly because Luke wants his readers, he wants us to know that Jesus is more than a good guy who would make for a great next-door neighbor. Who doesn't want Jesus living next to them, right? Or behind them or 
on the other side of the street because he can probably fix a lot of things and it'd be great to have Jesus as a neighbor. Well, again, Luke is writing. He's presenting Jesus as the perfect son of man who came to seek and save the lost. And he wants all of us to know that Jesus was more than just a good guy. He was more than a crazy individual. He was not a fool, but he is a divine friend. That's who Jesus is presented in the gospel of Luke. And it's this word Messiah that helps us to understand all of this. So let's keep thinking about this. What we find in Luke chapter 9, we started reading in verse 18. But what you find in verses 1 through 17 is that Jesus is really busy. He's a busy guy doing a lot of different things. In the opening verses of the book, Jesus is sending out his disciples And he tells them, I want you to help, and I want you to heal, and I want you to teach the truth about me, and I'm going to mentor and coach you and give you everything you need in order to make that happen and to be successful. So even though Jesus isn't the one going out in the early verses, he's really involved in the process of sending. He's really busy training his disciples, and they indeed go out. Well, what we find after that is there is a political leader at the time, and his name is Herod. And Herod hears about this Jesus. And so he inquires, who is this man? Who is Jesus? Which I think is fascinating, because we're not the only ones who have ever considered who is Jesus. Even other people have for a very long time. And here we have a political leader. He's the one who is in control of the region, And he himself is asking, who is Jesus? And the reason he's asking that is because he knew Jesus was drawing a crowd. The Roman Empire, and that's who was in charge, and that's who Herod worked for, was very skeptical of crowds. They didn't like that. And they didn't like people who had the ability to draw a crowd because that made them nervous, and perhaps they're going to overthrow who I am and my political spot here, and perhaps they'll even get enough momentum to overthrow the entire Roman Empire. So they did not like crowds. And often, whenever there was a crowd, they would move in quickly and kind of break that up. They just didn't like that. And again, they didn't like people who had the ability to draw a crowd, which was Jesus. (laughs) He could draw a crowd. People really liked him. So Herod, he's asking, who is this Jesus? And some of those who were advising him said, well, maybe it's John the Baptist. And Herod said, no, 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 that's wrong answer. I beheaded John the Baptist. I killed him already. I know it's not John. Who is this guy? I need to set up a meeting with him. And all of this just helps us to know that the popularity of Jesus is growing because people want to know who he is. Well, after Herod has some commentary in Luke chapter 9, we find that Jesus does something else. He feeds 5,000 people. And the reason he feeds them is because he wanted to prove that he could meet needs. That was the purpose of that particular miracle. So this is all the activity of Jesus. He's training his disciples and sending them out to help and to heal and to teach. He's wondering about Herod and his... Uh, what he's trying to think through and, and why does Herod want to meet me and that certainly can't mean a good thing. And then he's also performing some pretty spectacular miracles. So what we discover when we come to our passage, verse 18, is that Jesus is tired. 
which is a significant statement. Remember, the purpose of Luke is to present Jesus as the perfect man. Jesus got tired. He could get worn out, just like we could. And that happens to him here after all of the activity, the teaching, the miracles, the worrying about Herod and everything that's happening. That brings us to verse 18. Jesus wants to get away because he needs to refuel. Here's what verse 18 says. One day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. Only his disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do people say I am? Well, a flurry of answers are given as to what people are saying about you, Jesus. He's like, okay. All right, what about you, though? You that have been with me, you've watched me, who do you say I am? And Peter answers first in verse 20, and he says, you are the Messiah. There's our word again. We're going to get to that. But you are the Messiah, the Son of God. That's who you are. (laughs) Verse 21 is fascinating to me. It's actually very disturbing and confusing. Like, what is going on here? Verse 21 says, Jesus warned his disciples after that response not to tell anyone who he was. All right, so are you with me still? We have Jesus. He's sending disciples out. He's thinking about Herod. He is feeding people. He gets a little tired. He has a conversation with his disciples. He asks them some bold questions. And then he looks at them after Peter responds and says, you're the Messiah. You're the one. You're the Son of God. Jesus looks at them and says, shh. Don't tell anybody about this, which is strange to me, because when you think about Jesus and everything we generally read about him, we would think from our perspective that everybody needs to know about Jesus, and why would he say, please keep that quiet? Why does Luke record this? Don't tell anybody about me. You'd think he'd be saying the opposite. I want everybody to know. So why is Jesus, shh, what's happening here? Well, I believe Jesus said this because he didn't want the news about him to spread too quickly so that he could avoid the premature opposition of the religious leaders. Jesus knew what was coming for him. He knew that these leaders would grab him and arrest him and put him on trial and eventually kill him. And he said, it's not my time yet. There are still more things that I need to do, and I will get the word out at the right time. But right now, shh, just keep it kind of quiet. Well, we don't have to worry about that because we're on the other side of Luke chapter 9, and so we can freely ask and answer this question, who is Jesus? Listen, I want you to hear this. Every thoughtful person needs to ask and answer that question. I really believe that. If Jesus is the central figure in history, it is only fair for every thoughtful person to ask and answer that question. And just like in Jesus' day, I think in our day, people respond in different ways. So before we explain the word Messiah, 
I want to share with you some different possibilities in response to that question. Who is Jesus? Well, I've had enough conversations with a lot of different people to gather information on this. And so I just want to share four possibilities with you. I would encourage you to write this down. Here's possibility number one, and that is Jesus is a decent guy. He's a good guy. Great neighbor. He's the one who gave us the golden rule. He encouraged everybody to help the poor. And he continually was a dependable advocate for the downtrodden. Jesus is everybody's best friend. Yet, Jesus kept asserting that he was God. And he never backed down from his claims to be the Messiah. So if Jesus is just a really good guy, why would he keep making some of those claims? You would think at some point he kind of back off of that. He kept asserting that he was God, and he never backed down from his claims to be the Messiah, the Son of God. Well, how do we know this? Well, think about this. In the gospel, there are 80 references to the Son of Man. This is a favorite title that Jesus used of himself. And so he said over and over and over again, I am the Son of Man. What's interesting about that title is in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, the Son of Man is a reference for a divine being. Not just a good person or not just a highly moral leader, but Daniel says the Son of Man, this is a reference to a divine being. And Jesus kept using I am statements about himself This was a title that God used of himself in the Old Testament. Again, Jesus kept asserting that he was God. He claimed to forgive sins. He claimed to be better than Jonah and Abraham and Solomon and the temple. And these were all very bold claims that eventually got him arrested and killed. But Jesus never stopped making these claims. Now, if Jesus is a really good guy... A golden rule individual, helping everybody and being everybody's best friend. Eventually, his EQ is going to kick in. His emotional intelligence is going to tell him, stop making those claims. You're kind of irritating people and you're causing problems. It's too much. Or Jesus would have somebody say, Jesus, come here. We got to sit down and talk. Stop making those I am statements. You got to back off, buddy. Come on. But what we discover is that Jesus never stopped making these claims. If he's a decent guy, he would probably do that at some point. Here's possibility number two, and that is Jesus is just crazy. He just said some spectacular things, and the reason he said those things and the reason he did that stuff is because he was a little out there, He was just off. Jesus is crazy. He's crazy. That's what he is. It's interesting because Jesus often hung out and spent time with people thrown into that category. Those that nobody else would talk to, those that nobody else would serve and love. Jesus spent time with them in order to help and to heal. But yet in his day, People said he's crazy, and I think people say the same thing today. He's just a little off. Possibility number three. That is, Jesus is a deceiving fraud. 
Perhaps he was a trickster who just wanted to gather unsophisticated and simple minds around him. Yet what we discover is that Jesus never did anything. He never taught. He never performed a miracle in order to gather a crowd around him of simple minds. Around 120 A.D., so this is after the death of Jesus, there is a historian named Quadratus from Athens. Good old Quad. So let's see what he has to say about all of this. And he actually wrote to an emperor in response to the emperor's question about this Jesus individual. And so here's what Quad said in 120 AD. The works of our Savior were lasting, for they were genuine. Those who were healed and those who were raised from the dead were seen not merely while our Savior was on earth, but also after his death, they were alive quite a while so that some of them lived even to our day. This quote is fascinating to me because the historian is saying some of these individuals who were helped and healed by Jesus are still around. And we can talk to them. And we can discover what happened. Thus kind of helping us to understand that Jesus is more than a trickster. I really think one of the greatest testimonies to the veracity of the truth of Jesus is the historically documented explosion of the church. If Jesus were a fraud, I think you can realistically draw the conclusion that the church still wouldn't exist today because somebody would have figured it out. I said this on Easter, but I think it bears repeating. If you could have seen the Roman Empire, which is this particular time frame of history that we're dealing with here, if you could have seen the Roman Empire in its day, in all of its glory and the Pax Romana and its 250,000 miles of engineered roads and its expansion from Asia to Africa to Europe and how Rome was the envy of all of the known world at that time, if you could have seen the Roman Empire, you would say it's big. It is strong. It is invincible. And then after the death of Jesus, before his resurrection... If you could have seen a few disciples, frightened, scared, demoralized, hopeless, because of the execution of their leader. If you were going to put your money on who would still be around 2,000 years later, I'm telling you right now, you wouldn't even think about it. You're putting all of your money on the Roman Empire. Because they were that big. They were that strong and impressive. You're putting all of your money on the Roman Empire, which today is extinct. Nobody talks about the glory of Rome except in reference to its past. The Roman Empire, gone. Christianity, the church, well, here we are, still going. Flawed? Broken? Sure. But still vibrant and alive. And if Jesus were a fraud, I don't think the church exists today. I just don't think it happens. Which brings us to possibility number four. 
And that is Jesus is a divine rescuer. And that is what Peter declared when he said, look, Jesus, here's who you are. I'm going to respond to this. I'll be the group spokesperson. You are the Messiah. So let's think about that word Messiah for a moment. It comes from the Greek word Christos, which means the anointed one or the Messiah or the Christ. The Hebrew word also tells us that Messiah meant anointed or an anointed one. And so what we get from the Greek text and from the Hebrew text is that this is a very rich word that speaks of a royal title. This is something divine. This is something very important. And so watch this now. Peter says, I'm going to speak for the group. And here's the response, Jesus You are Christos. You are the anointed one. You are the Messiah. You are Christ. You are a divine rescuer, and you have come to seek and to save the lost. That's exactly who you are. So, upper story Jesus is the Messiah, the Christos. And then let's bring that down into the lower story then. We have Peter responding in Luke's gospel saying, You are Christos. You are the Messiah, the anointed one. The Messiah. So what about my story? What about your story? How do we take this information and all of the stuff that happened in Luke chapter 9? It's a chapter just chock full of stuff. So how do we take all of this and use it today? Well, I want to give you two application thoughts. Number one, it's some homework for you. And that is I want everybody to read Luke 9, 1 through 27. It's not that difficult to read. You can do that. And as you read, you're going to discover Jesus sending out the disciples. You're going to read about Herod. You're going to read about the feeding of the 5,000. And then you're going to have these bold questions that Jesus asks where Peter declares Christos. Messiah, anointed one, that's who you are. So I want everybody to think about this because we all need to consider who is this Jesus? Who is he? And I think there are some wonderful things that fly right off the page from Luke chapter 9 that help us to discover who he is. And then secondly, you've got to answer the question, which possibility comes from Luke chapter 9? I believe possibility number four is the truth. This is the one that takes us to a new level as Peter declares Christos, anointed one, Messiah. Jesus is a divine friend and a divine rescuer. But everybody's got to answer that on their own. I can't answer that for you. Nobody else can do that either. You need to read through Luke chapter 9 and answer the question, which possibility just kind of jumps out. Is Jesus just crazy? Is he a fraud? Is he just kind of a nice guy? Or is he something beyond that? And what does that mean for me? Now, if you've responded, if there's been a time in your life 
where you said yes to the Messiah and you trusted in the work of Jesus, his death and his burial and his resurrection, and you trusted in that alone without adding any other stuff to it because there's nothing else we can add. Jesus took care of all of that for us. If you have trusted in the work of Jesus alone to rescue and save you, then worship. Respond to the greatness of God. That he cared enough about you, about us, to put this kind of plan in motion to send a divine rescuer for all of us. The anointed one, Christos. Respond to the greatness of God and read Luke 9, 1 through 27 and find a place where you can just give a lot of praise and a lot of thanks because that's what he deserves. Now, if you haven't responded to the Messiah, to this divine rescuer, I say this often, and I want to say it again. If you're here and you're trying to figure Jesus out, you're kicking the tires and you're not exactly sure who he is, this is a safe place for you to be. Welcome to Valley Point Church. I'm glad that you are here, and you can question, and you can investigate, and you can research, and you can do all of that right here in this place. But I want to encourage you not to give up trying to figure out who he is based on on literature that describes him brilliantly. So read Luke chapter 9. And if you haven't responded to the anointed one, Christos, the Messiah, perhaps today is the day or this is the week that that will happen to you. Jesus is the Messiah. He's a divine rescuer. Peter declared, yes, Here's who you are. You are the Christos. You are the anointed one. You are the Messiah who came to seek and to save the lost. Father, we're so thankful for what we discover in Luke chapter 9. These are really interesting words. That give us an insight into your plan and into the life and into the ministry of Jesus. God, I pray that it help all of us to keep thinking about who is this man. What we've discovered so far is that he is a friend of sinners. He is someone who chooses to use me to introduce others to him. And he is someone who knows me and loves me and sees me. And we brought this a step further today by saying Jesus is the Messiah, the Christos. Help us all to wrestle with that this week. And God, if we've responded to the work of Jesus, if we've trusted in him alone to save us, may we worship you like never before. Jesus Messiah, name above all names. God, help us to do that. And for those that are still seeking and wrestling with this, God, I pray that you'd help the truth of Luke 9 to jump into their heart and may they come to the same conclusion this week that you indeed are the Messiah and may they trust in your work alone to save them. God, give us a great week of wrestling with this. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.